didn't have my mic on live from the united states where we've been putting profits before people since 1776 this is hell today on this is hell we are starting a series of interviews we hope to be doing every thursday reports from our correspondents and contributors over the years on what the novel or novel novel i knew i was going to say novel at some point novel coronavirus 2019 looks like where they live with correspondents in seoul budapest stockholm dublin sao paulo mexico city montreal all over the place we will be getting their view of the virus from where they are and how the state and market and public are reacting there we are starting the series today with a report from our man in san juan dave buchan who's been a correspondent on all things puerto rico on our show dating back to 1999 dave reported to us back then on the protests over the u.s military base in ba case the struggle for independence afterwards the struggle against the police the fight against zika the devastation of bankruptcy and hurricanes dave has been in puerto rico to report back to us on it all this morning dave will tell us what's happening with covid 19 puerto rico's massive aid package that is bigger than any by any state here within the U.S. and what life under COVID is like in a place that has been so repeatedly de- <laughs> devastated over the past few years. Dave Buchan has been living in Puerto Rico since the last century where he makes theater with Theater Ublek and El Teatro Barbaro and plays music with La Banda Municipal de Macula Baroon. And of course, we'll wrap up this week as we do most weeks with the moment of truth from contributor Jeff Dorchin. This week, Jeff Journey's to the soul. The soul of what? I'm not too sure, but it's the soul of something. I'm your bitter, blind, broke, gap tooth radio show podcast live streaming host, Chuck Mertz. Producing this week's show is Alex Jerry. Alex, do you have any plans for this weekend? And uh, you don't have to tell us now, but did you figure out a Patreon interview for tomorrow? I'm going to figure the Patreon interview out uh, during the show. I'll <laughs> okay. have it to you after this interview. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I am set up a little sensory bean table for my kid, which is just filled with like dry beans for him to play in. Okay. And uh, I'm eyeing that right now and thinking this might be an emergency food <laughs> Did, uh You told me you saw some, something very cute on the back stairs on the way up here today. What would you see? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, next door neighbor uh, has their kids coming out and playing in the Carrie's back uh, patio since it's uh, boarded up almost. It's like a tarp over the front of uh, over the windows and the door. So uh, his kids have just been playing and then all up the steps coming uh, into the second floor. Uh, there's little hearts drawn up and down the steps. It's really cute. In <laughs> chalk. So, yeah, my uh, that's my uh, nieces. They're like three and five or four and six. I'm not a very good uncle, so I don't know what ages they are. But, yeah, they're playing back in the beer garden right now. Or not at this moment, but that's their playground right now because they don't want to take the kids to the park. 
So they're having fun in the beer garden. These will be great memories for them, I'm certain. This week's question from Elle is, do they owe us a living? Do they owe us a living? You can leave your answer to this week's question from Elle at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thisishellradio, or you can tweet it to us at thisishellradio or email us, chuck at thisishell.com or alex at thisishell.com. The person with our favorite answer to this week's question wins the This Is Hell Guide to the 21st Century Flash Drive containing 25 interviews for the first 20 years of this century. It's a great way to remember how hellish the pre-virus new normal used to be and why we do not want to go back to that freaking nightmare. You can find the This Is Hell Guide to the 21st Century at our website, thisishell.com, when you click on support, which is where you can find all of our swag, including trucker cap, t-shirt, tote bags, coffee mugs, and the flash drive. In these times that you are not allowed out of your home, when you are not sheltering in place but getting supplies to do so, make certain the people who may see you know your feelings that this is hell by wearing a This Is Hell tee or hat or Shopping with your This Is Hell tote bags. When you actually are out and about, you can remind everybody that this is hell. Alex, do you have more of our listeners' answers to this week's question from hell? Yes, this week's question from hell is, do they owe us a living? Do they owe us a living? Again, there are two answers I'm looking for here. And uh, Crass had both of them. John M. says, no, we owe them a dying. Aaron D. says, at this point, I would settle for not being socially and economically victimized by the ruling class and then making a living will take care of itself. Almost, Aaron D. Steve C. says, do they, do they owe a chicken whose neck they ring for Christmas a living? Of course they fucking do. Oh, there we go. Got in there, right one. And uh, Martin F. says, Selma Hayek spent her entire academic career arguing that no, they do. Oh, wait. I meant Friedrich Hayek. My bad. Martin. I'm just not dumb enough to understand that. A couple more. Like that. that one's cracking you up. <laughs> yes, I thought that was hilarious. I just love the idea of Selma Hayek coming up with Friedrich Hayek's thoughts. Uh, and a couple of the Instagram, Mary Anarchy says, Anarchy plus peace. <laughs> Close, not exactly what I'm looking for. Hashtag mysticism uh, did the uh, hang 10 symbol emoji. Close, not what I'm looking for. <laughs> Kenny, K says, or Kenny C says, yes, they do. Of course they fucking do. And finally, Fred LH says, free penny. <laughs> Again, leave your answer to this week's question from hell at our face. Is Penny Rimbaud in jail that I'm not aware of? Again, leave your answer to this week's question from hell at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thisishellradio, or you can direct message it to us via Twitter at thisishellradio, or you can email it to us at chuck at thisishell.com or alex at thisishell.com. The person with our favorite answer to this week's question from hell wins the This Is Hell Guide to the 21st Century Flash Drive, which you can find right now at thisishell.com. When you click on uh, support... Alex will have more of your answers to this week's question from Mel after today's guest, and we will reveal our favorite following Jeff, but I have abdicated that duty to Alex this week because he says there are only two answers, so he is going to determine which is our favorite answer to this week's question from Hell and who will win the flash drive. This is God's favorite radio show. Prove us wrong. Please, for God's sake, prove us wrong. This is hell. We are all hoping the virus will end sooner rather than later. President Trump wants us to go back to the horrors that were the old normal on Easter. And the media keeps reporting Trump wants us to fill the churches on Easter. He keeps telling us some combination of everything will be perfect on that beautiful Easter day. So now I got to go look up when Easter happens this year because the Catholic Church came up with some weird equation. I don't know, something about a moon or something to determine 
when Easter is every year, always changing it from one date, one month to the other, in the moving target that is constantly Easter. I get Trump saying Easter. It's a dog whistle to those who identify politically, not religiously as Christian, you know, the kind that don't actually practice their religion, but hell yeah, they want prayer in public schools. But the news media saying Trump wants us to go back out again on Easter? They keep saying Easter? Come on, you're supposed to be reporting news, information about what is happening right now in a way that everyone can understand and not everybody celebrates freaking Easter. The assumption that we all do has the stench of and reeks of Christian superiority. Just tell us the freaking date, which is April 12th, and quit saying Easter when the vast majority of your audience are not practicing Christians and then they are forced to go online to find out when... Easter is this year, why do you allow Trump to put words in your mouth? Culturally and religiously charged words that are intentionally divisive as Trump and his supporters demand unity as in unity behind President Trump, our new benevolent dictator for life that the right will insist we must be loyal to in this state of emergency. It's April 12th. It's the date April 12th, not Easter. Who knows, maybe Trump is giving himself an out. Maybe he's thinking, if I say Easter and it's still not cool to go out by then, I can say, oh, I I thought this year it was in May or whatever. Maybe Trump is that genius of an evil and that evil of a genius. He must be right. His approval numbers keep going up, and that's been cited by some analysts as being driven by Democrats who believe Trump is doing a good job with COVID-19. How they come to such a conclusion is unclear. The U.S. reaction has been so bad despite having an early warning that the World Health Organization said the U.S. will soon be the epicenter of the virus. Not China, not some developing economy, not one of those what Trump called shithole countries. Nope, the shithole country this time is the U.S. of A. And that gets good marks from Americans, apparently, when it comes to supporting Trump and his reaction and response to COVID-19. Trump's poor decision-making and inaction leads the U.S. to be the epicenter of the virus, and that public health disaster clinches a second term for Trump. That is, if he allows the November vote for president to move forward. Even if he loses, will he actually step down and not incite a violent coup to install some sort of fascist military junta under the auspices of a national emergency, the kind of necessary there-is-no-alternative junta that smiles as Fox News swoons at the perfection of our new Nazi overlords? Many of them with the last name of Trump. Hey, maybe by that time, President for Life Trump could go back to the familial Drumpf, and I'm certain Fox News would get the German pronunciation perfectly. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is speaking incoherently and nonsensically about the coronavirus while doing a horrible job of giving out political advice, including his lack of desire to have a political battle with his campaign opponent, Donald Trump, which is a great way to run a political campaign by surrendering before going into political battle. Remarkably, he did both moments apart from each other on one of those horrible morning talk shows that retirees watch or those who are shut in watch. So I guess a lot of people are watching terrible TV for old people right now. An old person, Joe, was asked on one of those awful roundtable talk shows where everyone smiles. Joe was asked, are you at all concerned, as Trump said, that we cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself? Stupid trick question. 
It's framed in a way that if you disagree with the president, then you are saying you are not concerned about the possible negative effects of any problematic and alleged cure, that you are not as concerned as Trump about the public safety. So yeah, awful question that is completely leading and misleading and an intentional trap. How does mighty Joe, not so young, answer the question? Joe shoots back with a slicing and dicing retort that eviscerated the inquiry and the person who posed it or not. Mostly not. Instead, Joe responds. This is his actual response. I'm not stumbling over this quote. It will sound like I am, but I am not. We have to take care of the cure. That will make the problem worse no matter what. No matter what. We know what has to be done. It makes no sense whatsoever, but according to James Carville, according to Nancy Pelosi, according to CNN, according to MSNBC, according to all of the polls, he's the candidate that is most likely to beat Donald Trump in November. That is, if Joe Biden runs against Trump in November, I mentioned the very real possibility of no election whatsoever, postponed due to the national emergency of the virus. Uh, but there's the chance Joe simply won't run. Don't get me wrong, he may be the nominee, he may be the Democratic Party's candidate, but that doesn't mean he will take the time to campaign, and there are indications he will not. In that same interview, Biden said, I've not been criticizing the president, but I've been pointing out where there is disagreement on how to proceed. Let's take a moment on that phrase. I have not been criticizing the president, but I've been pointing out where there is disagreement on how to proceed. Voicing a disagreement with someone on how to proceed, that is criticizing them. So why is Joe so afraid to say that is exactly what he is doing, criticizing the president? Really, Joe, nobody minds if you're criticizing the president right now. In fact, we are all expecting it. That's probably why Trump's ratings keep going up. Biden won't criticize him. Hell, I haven't heard a word from Droopy Joe in, in weeks. I don't Where is he? Instead, on that incredibly bad morning TV talk show with far too many shots of people yelling at one another, Joe also explained in his own way the coronavirus is not Trump's fault, but the lack of speed with which to respond to it has to move much faster. Which implies it is Trump's fault, so why not hold him responsible, Joe? Why are you in so much fear of being critical of the Trump administration's response to COVID-19, especially when so many Americans have already died from the virus, so many are hospitalized, the virus is spreading, and the U.S. has become, or is about to become, the new epicenter of the global pandemic? Joe didn't stop there with his throwing in the towel for November's election. Joe gave cover for the Republican response of waiting for the market to fix the problem while the government sat on its hands, probably because it's a policy and a strategy that is exactly like what Joe Biden would do if he was in office. What Trump is doing is what Joe would do. Joe says of COVID-19, this is not about Democrat or Republican. This is not about your party. It's about getting through this. Cool. So we don't need the Democratic Party to solve this. Awesome. Let the Republicans do whatever they want. Eh, just be a rubber stamp. Now that's leadership, Joe. That's when he laid it on the line. Joe said the American people don't want us in a political fight, and I want no part of a political fight either. But when the president says things that turn out not to be accurate, we should not say you're lying. We should say, Mr. President, that's not the facts. Here's the deal. So don't call out your opponent for lying, and you do not want to be in a political fight with said opponent. Yeah, I can kind of tell you're not interested in a political fight because you won't call out Trump's lies and your campaign organization sucks. And in the time, this time of crisis, where the hell have you been? It's not like Bernie Sanders, who's busy being a senator at this moment, trying to stop coronavirus. So where is Joe? 
And what are we up to now? What, seven women who have accused Joe of being sexually inappropriate and much worse than only inappropriate? I swear Joe is throwing this fight. He doesn't want to win. He doesn't want to be president. He doesn't want to challenge the president. He doesn't want to do battle with him. It's possible his thoughts on the plague that stalks us are all are purposely nonsensical, so we'll all just leave Joe alone. And what's with that bump on Joe's head? Democrats, you still have a chance. You still have a choice. Please say it ain't Joe. Say it's someone else, anyone else, someone, anyone who will not be afraid to go on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, and explain the bigger structural issues that must be solved in order to stop coronavirus. If we are going to stop this litany of increasingly worse epidemics and pandemics, that have been released so far this century that the world has, for whatever reason, completely ignored. We have to address bigger issues. Please, Democrats, I don't care who it is. Just find someone who will tell everyone here in the U.S. that we, what we all need to know, this pathogen that went viral and has gone global as pandemic was released by the globalization of agriculture, large multinationals centralized industrial production while outsourcing the small farmer outsourcing your work to small farmers these farmers have little to no oversight due to corporate pressure on governments to limit rules and regulations as well as undermining worker safeguards in order to attract the company to open up shop in the nation in the first place the economy's model of constant growth for success leads the these farmers to keep moving farther and farther out into unsettled lands, causing deforestation, which releases the pathogens and gets them on their way to the market. The market, of course, also has less oversight because of austerity measures taken by the governments. They're forced to impose austerity by the World Bank, who will not give them any money, any money at all, any money needed for citizens to survive unless they go through with these processes of deforestation, of globalized agriculture. Money that leads to practices that then threaten their citizens' lives. The money that they actually get from the World Bank ends up being a threat to their own citizens. And none of that is based on the best way to feed the world, but the best way to make profits off feeding the world. Because when capitalism commodifies and financializes, we need to survive as humans. It prioritizes profits over people. We need to survive as humans. And that doesn't happen in this situation. It's what capitalism is supposed to do. Capitalism is intended to make capital. It's right there in its name. Capital, it's right there. I know we will not have a Democratic candidate running in November who will ever argue COVID-19 is caused by deforestation, globalization, austerity, financialization, and commodification, the bricks that form the foundation of neoliberalism, of late capitalism, of our political economic system. I know we'll never consider the real structural problems that caused the poor response by the U.S. to the pandemic because that would call into question the market, the idea of the perfection of the market, that the market is God and capitalism is the miracle God provides. Well, if the market is God, then this is definitely God, not God's favorite radio show. But please, please prove us wrong. Please, please prove us wrong that the market is not God, that we value human life more than we value money, that we believe people are more important than profits, that we will sacrifice the economy if it means saving more lives than we would by saving the economy. Because if money, if the market, if the bottom line, if... If Wall Street, if all the financial markets, if the dollar is more important than humanity, which is what both parties seem to be saying in their inaction when we were first confronted by the pandemic, if giving the market credit for saving lives, giving the states credit for saving lives was more important than actually saving lives, if that's the case, then I want out now.
I have no doubt. This is hell. Coming up, first Puerto Rico suffered from being a commonwealth of the United States, then it suffered from centuries of colonialization, then it fast forward to the last decade and you suffered from the Zika epidemic, then it suffered a hurricane, and a few weeks later another hurricane, then it was the recent earthquake. So what the hell is happening in Puerto Rico now that the world has coronavirus? We'll also have more of your answers to this week's question from hell. This week's question is, do they owe us a living? Do they owe us a living? Leave your answer to our Facebook page, email it to us or tweet us your response. We'll name our favorite answer and the winner this week gets the This Is Hell Guide to the 21st Century flash drive loaded with 25 interviews we did over the past 20 years we will also have the moment of truth from jeff dorchin this week jeff journeys to the soul and alex will tell us what's happening on next week's shows i'm your bitter blind broke gap tooth host chuck mertz producing is alex jerry live from late capitalism where the only thing that is not privately owned is our own privacy this is hell imagine getting hit by a virus then your government goes bankrupt Then there's police violence in the streets. Then a hurricane makes landfall. Then a few weeks later, another hurricane, followed by insufficient aid to recover from those disasters. Then a series of earthquakes hits. And again, within only a couple of months, you get hit by another virus. And this one has gone pandemic. Well, people in Puerto Rico don't have to imagine that nightmare. They are living it. Here to get us caught up on what's happening in Puerto Rico, our man in San Juan, Dave Buchan, has been living in Puerto Rico since the previous century. In San Juan, Dave makes theater with Theater Ublek and El Teatro Barbaro and plays music with La Banda Municipal de Macula Barun. Welcome back to This Is Hell, Dave. Now you welcome to Puerto Rico. <laughs> hey, so first of all, are you selling your calendars this year? I know that there was a whole issue because something called an earthquake or something. So are you selling your calendars this year? I, I, I am selling my, my, my calendars. I have, I have a stack of them. They aren't for sale. It is true. Um, yeah, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a funny year. But yeah, yeah I've got calendars. So how do, how do I, what, what do I do if I want one? Uh, what if you do if you want one? You can um, uh, uh, go to my website, I guess, Dave Buchan at WordPress.com. Okay. I don't even know if I updated my website. I'm so bad at websites. <laughs> uh, but I will do that today. I will. I promise after this I will update my website. Um, you could uh, send me uh, money on PayPal at Dave Buchan at Yahoo. Uh, they're $40 this year. Prices went up, man. It's, uh... <laughs> All right, but people can find it uh, yeah. at DaveBukin.wordpress.com. Let's start with the most important, exactly. uh, most important question that we're asking everybody. And so far, this hasn't gone well. Uh, how are you feeling? Okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, it's, it's like it's pretty funny here because uh, it's uh, it's really like oh, this again. Like this, <laughs> like this is ours third existential crisis in three years and it's just like okay it's another year it's another crisis um it's kind of i mean yeah i mean when i say i'm okay like as you remember like when you talked to me after maria and you said how are you it's like oh, okay and everyone was everyone uh i went to visit chicago and, and people in chicago were like no you're not you're not okay it's like yeah i know but uh but it's how you just kind of muddle through. And right now we're all just in that muddling through stage. You're like, yeah, we're sorry. we got food. All right, we got food. Everyone's home. Everyone's okay. We're fine. And then uh, it doesn't like uh, the, uh, like being in the middle of like this again uh, is like, okay, know what to do. Hunker down. We will get through it. 
and then and then we'll figure it out. Uh, and like at this stage, you're just like we're in the stage of just like make sure you have coffee and and make sure you have food and that kind of stuff. So are you any more? Uh, at, I'm you, okay, but I'm not. You know. Are you any more <laughs> at risk? Because I know that we talked to you back in 2016 about Zika, and you had uh, Zika virus. Does that make you any more at risk? <laughs> Not that I know of. I haven't seen any any connection between um, Zika and this. I mean, I'm at risk just because I'm a soon-to-be 55-year-old man, uh, which is getting up there in terms of, you know, men get it more than women and, and people over the age of 50 get it more than everyone else. So personally, I'm not that excited about this, this whole pandemic. Um, but I don't – I mean – what puts us at risk in Puerto Rico is that we have a crappy healthcare system uh, that's been made crappier over the last two crises that we have, you know, the hurricane and then the earthquake. Um, I mean, I don't, you know, thankfully the earthquakes have stopped. I mean, it was just in January, uh, just two months ago, that uh, the, the larger one hit Ponce and, and in the south and, and really um, um, really messed them up. Um, you know, lots of buildings down, lots of schools destroyed, you know, all the schools across the country closed, lots of hospitals had to close. And so thankfully that is not, um, started up again. Uh, like after the first earthquake, the, the big one, there's a big one that we even felt up here in the North. Uh, but in the South, they were having like five a day, and that has has petered off. Like whatever that seismic activity is is gone for the moment. The Earth has gone back to sleep. Thank so you. so wait. So the the uh, earthquakes hit and they closed all the schools. I assume that the schools are still closed from the earthquakes. And now the coronavirus hits, they're not going to reopen the schools. There's a new aid package that we'll talk about in a moment. But part of that aid package no. is they're sending yeah. like tablets to kids and stuff like that, so they can be schooling, you yeah. know, virtually schooling. You're a teacher. One of the reasons that you haven't been on the show so far this year is because you work during the morning, and so you, we can't get you here on the show yeah. live. Yeah, that's cool. So. So, uh, so but, how, but, uh, how's uh, this but, changing for uh, you as a teacher? Oh, back to, okay, but back to the timeline. Um, the schools did reopen after the earthquake. Like the earthquake hits in January. Everyone closes down to inspect their schools. And then um, other than in the south, uh, in, in the area around Ponce and uh, in those areas, everyone opened up pretty much within a week. Uh, so that was a pretty short um, uh, closing. There's a lot of schools that were just um, can't reopen. And those are in the south. Uh, and I tell you the truth, I don't know how they've been uh, doing, if they've just like been teaching in um, gymnasiums and that kind of stuff. Uh, but all the schools reopened again. We here in Puerto Rico, we've been in uh, a shutdown for two weeks. Um, this tomorrow, actually today, the governor is going to announce whether or not she's going to continue it for another two weeks, which fingers crossed she will. Um, uh, but we, we've, uh, yeah, two weeks ago, they announced everything is closed. Uh, there's a curfew nine to five. You're not in the streets at all. And then during the day, you're only outside to do necessary activities, um, which, um, like I go out every day. To be honest, I go to the beach because uh, the ocean is good for you, and I stay a good thirty feet away from everybody, and it's not very crowded. It's just and uh, and you go shopping, and that is a little tricky. Of you know, 
the other day I was at the, my local pharmacy and there's just like a clump of old people at the door and I was standing, you know, 12 feet away from them. And there's, and they were like, come over here. There's shade over here. And I was like, no, I'm a teacher. Like a week ago, I had coughing students in my class. Uh, and so I don't know if I'm going to give it to you. So I'm going to just stay over here and you all should stay apart from each other too. Um, yeah, I'm a teacher. Thank God we're closed. I mean, cause it was, you know, it's been a couple months now. Is this all like, we all start paying attention to this in January. Um, and, and so as a science teacher, cause I teach every class, like we've been, I've been discussing the coronavirus with my students for, for months now. And, uh, and just like being around a bunch of young people coughing and sneezing and, uh, you know, cover your mouth and like, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was, I was very glad we closed. San Juan. But I'm of the, like, I, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that San Juan, Puerto Rico, Mayor uh, Carmen Yulene Cruz, uh, she wears a hat that says 4645 on it that signifies the most accurate death toll yeah. from uh, Hurricane Maria a year and a half ago when she was criticizing uh, President Bush or President Trump during the response to uh, Maria. How has the federal, the U.S. federal government responded to COVID-19 in Puerto Rico? Do you think that her past criticism will have an impact on the current situation? Um, the, the easy answer is they're, they're, they're doing nothing. Um, and which, I mean, I think it's one interesting thing about the, the argument that people hear in terms of statehood, uh, people who've argued for statehood is like, if we were a state, we would be treated just like all the other states and we would have gotten aid quickly and et cetera, et cetera. But now under Trump, um, they're apparently not, there isn't even a federal response anywhere. He's just like, all the states are up, you know, take it, you know, all, all the states can handle it themselves. Um, so the whole idea that it's like, if we were a state, it would help us. It's like, oh, it wouldn't help us at all. Um, the, the bureaucracy of being a colony, um, of having to um, stop the uh, cruise ships from coming, et cetera, slowed that down. Um, but eventually it got, um, we don't have any cruise ships anymore. Um, and, and, and now the FAA has approved less flights coming through. Um, so that's good as well. But again, it, it's, it's something that as a colony, we didn't get to decide for ourselves. Um, but there's no, there's no sense of like even asking the Trump administration for anything. Like no one, no one here has any sense that the United States will help. Um, so, and look, I mean, you know, one of the, one of the lucky things for us uh, and the reason that I think that we started the, um, uh, the shutdown two weeks ago, uh, rather than waiting is that very quickly our government messed up, uh, in a, in a public way. And everyone is able to see them mess up very quickly. And, and so the governor just had to, had no choice, but to, uh, deal with it in, in, uh, in, uh, harsh and uh, a strong way, whatever, you know, I had to say we need to do the, the lockdown. Um, the, the way we got the virus is a cruise ship showed up from Italy and, uh, and on board were uh, people who were tested positive. And then they all got off the boat and walked around old San Juan to 
visits tourist shops. Uh, 2,000 people on that boat got off and, and walked around. And the Secretary of Tourism here went on board the boat to say, welcome to San Juan. We're so glad to have you here. The first time here, this Italian cruise ship. And, um, and then the testing by the, uh, the testing was a mess. This was a mess everywhere, but it was compounded by the Secretary of Health, who had been left over from the hurricane. Uh, like he had been the Secretary of Health. And then, so it, quickly and publicly, they mess up in embarrassing ways. And so the Secretary of Health gets fired. Um, and the governor here just says, okay, we're going to lockdown. So it was, I mean, I think that's why we're, we're a little bit more advanced than um, some other states up in the north is that we publicly messed up. So right now we're at uh, in the 50s of, of cases. But again, they've done maybe 600 tests. Um, so who knows? Who knows? Like I have a neighbor yesterday who, who called me and said, you know, do you have any time at all? I feel like I have a fever. Um, so that, you know, and he's not tested. Um, so that's, you know, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the weird thing about it is that uh, there's this new aid package that Puerto Rico, uh, the Puerto Rico's government, Vasquez, announced Puerto Rico on Monday, according to the AP, announced a record $787 million financial package to help alleviate the economic impact of the new coronavirus in the U.S. territory. The package is bigger than any announced so far by any U.S. state. But I thought Puerto, Puerto Rico went bankrupt, Dave. I thought they had no money. I thought they were broke. So where is all the money coming from? And who will Puerto Rico owe in the future for this funding? At this point, the La Junta is who controls our finances is saying, yes, go for it. Uh, they have allowed this stuff to happen. Um, the my worry is is and I I don't I don't know the answer so I'm not even going to try to answer that question I don't I have no idea where the money's coming from and who are we you know we're just going to be deeper in debt um, my the right now the the governor is saying like all state employees will get paid that includes uh, public school teachers you know includes everyone um, and everyone is no one has to pay their electricity I mean there's an extension for 24 days. Um, it's essentially just like during this uh, time of uh curfew, uh, everything shutting down. Uh, during that time, that no one's going to be had the lights turned off, the water turned off, uh, and that kind of stuff. As soon as that comes to an end, uh, which may be, um, hopefully, she'll not say there's another two weeks, um, but who knows? At some point, it's going to come to an end. Then it's all going to come then things are going to start hitting the fan uh, of, uh, you know, people calling up debts and it's like, okay, no longer the token kid and now you can pay all this stuff. And so it's, it's more a measure of just like, make sure nothing gets too bad right now. But I think as soon as it, uh, everything lifts and we go back to quote unquote normal, then the, the problems are going to kick in. One of the things that really shocked me in this uh, AP story that I saw, Dave, it said that the uh, the board, that's the 
uh, federal control board that oversees the island's finances, mm-hmm. that is Puerto Rico's bankruptcy. Uh, it, it, I mean, like you were saying, it doesn't seem like Puerto Rico has much control over themselves because of this board. And the AP notes that the board recently said it also would file a motion to temporarily suspend a bankruptcy-like process Puerto Rico is facing as it tries to restructure a portion of its more than $70 billion public debt load. In addition, the board wrote President Donald Trump last week about plans to transform the island back into the medical manufacturing hub it once was to meet the urgent needs created by the coronavirus pandemic. The medical manufacturing hub it once was. So did Puerto Rico just go all in on tourism and scrap things like medical manufacturing? Well, what happened is the reason we were like medical manufacturing hub uh, is that we've got this amazing water system, the the Karst Mountains. We have like this incredible um, supply of incredibly clean water. And so the pharmaceutical companies were great. We'll just go build all our factories on top of that and pump up as much as we want to without having to pay for any of it um, for years and years and years. And the other reason that they did it is that there was a federal law, this is 936, that gave uh, tax breaks. You did not have to pay federal taxes if you were a U.S. Uh, company here. In the 90s, uh, Rosselló, governor, father of our recently disgraced governor, Rosselló, um, in his push for statehood uh, to make us the same as all the other states of the of the US was like pushed to get rid of that law so that the pharmaceutical companies did not get a tax break because we want to be the same as everybody else. So they all they lose the tax break um, and they uh, leave. <laughs> and it just and we've been in a recession ever since. Um, and so that's one of the reasons that tourism, you know, tourism has always been around, but tourism kicked in. Of course, tourism is now dead, obviously, uh, as it should be. Uh, you know, tourism is what brought it here. Um, you know, not only was it the Italian on the cruise ship, the other, it's funny, we, we know the people who brought it here. Uh, the other person was a Panamanian doctor who was here for a salsa festival and tested, po- you know, uh, had a fever, but it's like, I'm going to go party anyway. And, uh, and like went to a festival, went to the hotel, traveled around. So the hotels are dead. You know, everyone's closed. Cruise ships, thank God, they're dead. And I, I, you know, that's the curious thing. When when the whole world comes back out of this again, um, who's going to get on a cruise ship? Um, who is going to, you know, the amount of travel. But there's still tourists here. You know, there's still, I mean, I go to, you know, like I say, I go to the beach to, you know, get outside. And uh, I still see tourists, um, you know, the day before the, the day before the, uh, the, the curfew hit here, there was like a bridal party of 20 blonde sorority girls walking down the street. It's like, what the hell are you all doing here? It's just like, go home for God's sakes. Um, but I think like coming back out of this, uh, Tourism is not going to quickly come back to normal by any means necessary, which is good. Tourism is a horrible way to run your economy. I mean, it's money. Everyone needs money, uh, but it, it completely distorts the the economy um, in the places where tourists go. Rents go 
way up and the only people who can afford it are, are people who who gear their economy to tourists and so it's a really it's a a dumb way to run an economy so <laughs> it sure hopefully is. it definitely is like when we like uh, last november we were talking to william robinson sociologist william robinson about how it just imposes inequality and sets up a whole culture and society that is just based on inequality tourism is a really disgusting thing and the fact that we're depending on it more and more you know reveals the way in which so much inequality is spreading everywhere when we have a economic model that people want to use that's about inequality nbc news reports the island yeah, yeah. of puerto rico has been struggling through a decades-long recession and a debt restructuring process of $120 billion in public debt and pension obligations as it continues to recover from the damage caused by Hurricane Maria in 2017, the series of earthquakes in January, together resulting in billions of dollars in losses. They then quote Erica Gonzalez, executive director of Power for Puerto Rico, saying, this is the third and newest threat or crisis that Puerto Rico faces. So in my opinion, all options have to be on the table, including repurposing the debt reserve and the cancellation of the debt. In your opinion, what is the likelihood that when we get out of this, Puerto Rico may have had their debt canceled? Oh, oh, that sounds lovely. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, okay, let's go back to Maria for a second. Um, I remember when, when we talked in uh, during Maria, you, we talked like the very first week. Uh, it was just like, you know, just barely had cell phone services, very exciting to talk on the phone. And I remember you asking me, how is this affecting, um, how, how is, how is this going down along class lines? Are the, are, are the, the services being given to the rich people in rich neighborhoods quicker than the poor neighborhoods? And in that first week, I was like, no, not really. Like at this point, at that point that in that first, in the beginning of the crisis, everyone was just. You know, uh, it's no one was getting services faster than anyone else because no one was getting services. It wasn't even a question of like, yeah, you know, you weren't able to be uh, to spread iniquity because you had uh, inequality because you had nothing to spread. Um, and of course, rich people are able to survive crises better than poor people because they have supplies, they have um, bunkers, they have. I mean, the other day at the beach, oh my god, I, I walked past the home of the um like one of the richest families in puerto rico has their their house right on the beach and they're having a freaking party and i was just like oh god (laughs) anyway rich people obviously can adapt better than poor people um and and uh in in some ways uh in other ways poor people actually um can adapt better to crises than rich people because they're used to it uh i remember during the during maria uh, a friend of mine who had been homeless for a long time. I was talking to her like, geez, how are the homeless people doing? And she's like, she's like, welcome to the club. Like now, like they're, for them, it's the same. And now everyone is experiencing what they experience. Um, but as we left the crisis, as we left Maria and as, and, and as things got back to quote unquote normal, you could really see here the, the, the capital, uh, changing the way that Puerto Rico runs. More and more gringos coming in, buying up buildings, buying, uh, setting up their offshore businesses. Um, the, uh, the, the island uh, accommodating them more, the way that uh, new business is meant for those people. And you could 
the in the end of it it's the it's the disaster capitalism thing but it's just like it's it's the natural process of capitalism it's just like to fill in the void um that is going to be as we come out of this um uh it, it is we're going to see that as well happening um at the same time um uh, right now uh Everyone in the world practically is going through this at the same time. And so there's going to be a big difference of like when we come out of this, uh, other places, uh, you, know, you know, people with money in the States are going to be having to deal with the ramifications. Whereas Jim Maria, there's like, oh, great, look at this little island that we can, you know, pick and choose what we want to real estate. Um, it's good. It, they're not going to be in such a great space to do that anymore at the same time. On the other hand, uh, so much is going on, dude. Uh, on the other hand, you know, you've got this world rise, worldwide rise of authoritarianism, um, which are the ones it's curious, like how the authoritarian regimes are the ones who are like, Oh, don't worry about the coronavirus from Trump to, Bolsonaro, and then AMLO. God, what a disappointment in Mexico. Um, there's that rise as well. There is also the rise of the resistance. And, and, and if you look at the June rebellions here, the July rebellions here last year in Puerto Rico, in which the whole country shut down to demand the, the resignation of the, of the governor, and to really... You know, like we talk about Puerto Rico having had three crises, existential crises in the last three years of the hurricanes, the earthquake, and the, and now this. And I would actually say that there are four, that the July rebellion was another crisis in the sense of the, the true sense of the word is we're at this moment of uh, do what is, we don't know what's going to happen. And, and when as a society, you don't know which way you're going to go, it's a crisis. It can be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. We usually use it as a bad thing, but I would say that that we've had four crises, and but that those July rebellions, it took nearly two years to happen. When we got out of the crises of Maria, when people had to slowly rebuild their lives, had to bury the dead, had to remake their jobs, had to remake their houses, had to just come back. It took nearly a year and a half for people to be able to go into the streets and demand a change. Um, I think that after this, we're going to see that. And, and I think it's really, it's one thing that this is doing again is, is highlighting the stark inequalities of the system. And, and uh, in particular here, it's, it's highlighting how we need to be, independent and and self-autonomous and how can we get that um in the states obviously the whole healthcare system is is what's being highlighted right now but also just capitalism in general of just like if you uh you know for me the entire world is going through the cuban special period uh you know back when russia uh, Soviet Union collapses overnight and Cuba is like, sorry, we're not going to buy your sugar anymore. And Cuba's like, oh, what? Like, like overnight, they were like, they lost their daddy. Like their daddy had been paying them for years and now they didn't have it. And it's like, okay, now we have to figure out how to survive. I feel like right now the whole world has lost its, its, its capitalist daddy. And now what are you going to do? 
Um, it's going to be curious, but it's not going to happen until this is all over. And the truth is, we don't know when this is all over until next year. So, you know, long haul. We're in the long haul, baby. Well, Dave, on that very happy note, actually, it's kind of a little bit inspiring because, <laughs> hey, maybe, you know, we couldn't come out of this. And when we come out the other side, things could be better than they were in the past. But we just don't know. And I, I mean, I, uh, we don't have any more time, but uh, I just wanted to ask you real quick. Do you think that uh, uh, Puerto Rico is better off right now with Governor Vasquez rather than Governor Oseo? Or doesn't it really make any difference because uh, outsiders are the ones who are determining what happens within the government because of the bankruptcy? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, thank, I mean, thank God Rosio is gone. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm completely glad that, that we, we, uh, that he's, he's not there. And I think that, the the useful thing for having gotten rid of him for being incompetent in front of a disaster is that the Wanda has to, uh, um, is conscious of that. They're just like, Oh, you know, and, and so she's, She's doing a fine job. Uh, you know, she shut us down, which is great. It's right. all like to me. That's what you need to do. Shut us down and 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 keep it going. And and just like and hopefully they'll get better at the tests. And just you know, you know, right now everyone's just to stay home, and that's okay. Mm. You know. All right, Dave. Until, until the next time I speak with you, Dave Buchan has been living in Puerto Rico since the previous century in San Juan. Dave makes theater with Theater Ublek and El Teatro Barbaro and plays music with La Banda Municipal de Macula Barun. You can hear all of Dave's appearances here on This Is Hell by going to thisishell.com, at least going back to 2015. Dave's most recent appearance was in July 2019 when we spoke with him about protests against then-Governor Ricardo Rosseo. Six days after we spoke with Dave, Governor Rosseo resigned. Thank Thank you so much, Dave, for being back on our show. And as you will be indoors for a while, uh, we will definitely be getting more reports yeah. from you in Puerto Rico. Thanks so much for being back on. Of course, like big sloppy wet kisses to everyone. <laughs> sloppy wet kisses <laughs> with lots of respiratory. Disgusting. Exactly. <laughs> Get out of here. Keeping it real, real deep in debt since 1996, this is Hell, and we'll tell you what's happening on tomorrow's Patreon podcast exclusively for listeners who support This Is Hell in a moment, as well as have the Moment of Truth, this weekend's Hangover Cure, and what's happening on the show next week. You can rate and uh, you can rate This Is Hell and leave your comments about our show on Facebook and so far. We continue to have a 5 out of 5 star rating. We want to thank those who have given us a 5 star rating recently and left their comments. Wrangler Steve says, in 69 years living in America, I never learned so much truth as I daily garner from the This Is Hell podcast. Cheryl writes about This Is Hell, smart, thoughtful, in-depth interviews that always make me want to read more. Jamie commends us for excellent in-depth interviews with amazing guests. And thanks to Steve, Cheryl, and Jamie for giving us five stars and leaving their thoughts on our show. If you rate This Is Hell at our Facebook page, whatever you rate us and leave a comment, we will read your comment on air. I'm your Bitter Blind Broke Captooth Radio Show host, live streaming host, podcast host, Chuck Mertz. Producing this week's show is Alex Jerry. Alex, do you have any more questions or answers to this week's question from Mel, which is, do they owe us a living? Right. Do, do they, they owe us a living? Do they owe us a living? Do they owe us a living? Well, via Twitter, Matt R. Paul says, if they know what's good for them, close but not quite. <laughs> Singing Lemon Symphonies says, 404 error, we could not recognize your question. Did you mean to ask, do you owe yourself a living? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Now get back to work right away. Close. Not exactly what I'm looking for. Garrett L. says, 
If you mean scraping together the loose ends of my monthly budget for a meal with my girl at Johnny Rockets, yes. If you mean anything more than that, no. Johnny Rockets. Rocket Taster says, not just liberty, but floating alone at sea may not be a liberty you'd actually want. Wrangler Sieve posted a uh, YouTube clip to Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. All right. Jeffy D says, a living. They owe us generations of pilfered, swindled, and embezzled riches plus vacation time. Not quite. Everyday Socialism says they do, and I'll be damned if they don't take it directly out of their asses. <laughs> Clever, but not quite. <laughs> Kyle B says, anyone making a killing owes us a living. And finally, Emotional Support Locomotive says they owe us a living ever since they banned us from the Roxy, which is a crass reference, but not quite what I'm looking for. Can you bring an Emotional Support Locomotive on your flight with you? I wonder if you can. The person with our favorite answer to this week's question, actually should say, with Alex's favorite answer to this week's question, wins a This Is Hell Guide to the 21st Century flash drive loaded with 25 interviews we did over the past 20 years. It's a great way to keep you going in these hellish times. You can also, you can get one right now, along with our trucker cap t-shirt, tote bag, coffee mug, and more at thisishell.com when you click on support. Alex will have more of your answers to this week's question from hell. The rest of them will announce who is the winner just immediately after Jeff on on Patreon this week, I'll be sharing with you some behind-the-scenes stuff about how Alex and I are dealing with the coronavirus here within our studios, our protocols here at Second Story Studios. I'll tell you how in this time of massive changes in all our lives, my life hasn't changed that much, and that's kind of sad and more so pathetic. Who knows? Maybe Alex will also share with us how his work on the show has changed. What is the interview that we're going to be playing tomorrow on Patreon anyway, Alex? Uh, we're going to be talking with Stan Cox from oh. 2013 on his piece. I, I sent it to you via email, so you don't need to write it down. Anyway, you slice it, the past, present, and future of rationing. <laughs> yeah. Seems kind of timely. It's a really good one. And then he also had a book earlier about air conditioning. We should probably, and why that's destroying the planet. We should probably save that or share that one in the near future too. But you can only hear that if you subscribe to completely listener-supported This Is Hell on Patreon at patreon.com slash Hell. You can also show your support for This Is Hell by going to thisishell.com and clicking on support where you can see all the ways you can help out This Is Hell, including seeing all of our merchandise. Coming up during the Moment of Truth, contributor Jeff Dorchin, Journeys to the Soul. We'll also have the Question from Hell winner, who's on next week's show. Keep in mind, a lot of the questions I asked were written while I was high. This is hell. I know you have Hefe on the line. One, two, you know what to do. Everybody's got one. Welcome to the moment of truth, the thirst that is the drink. Imaginations are like assholes. Everybody's got one. That's right, kids. Use your imaginations. Your physical shells might be stuck inside brick, wood, and plaster boxes. But the mind is free. Let it wander. Let it soar over hills and dales, whatever a dale is. Over the mountains and out in the space. Out among planets, asteroids, out past the Kuiper Belt, past the orbit of Pluto, beyond the heliosheath barrier, through the heliopause and the bow wave, into interstellar space. What will you find out there? Will you travel through a vast but barely visible cloud, four light years in expanse of frozen dormant tardigrades? You will. 
Will you marvel at the colorful gases of luminous nebulae? Of course you will. Stellar nurseries, those stretches of space where stars are born? Hey, why not? They're pretty cute, those baby stars, but don't touch. Yes, the universe is sort of like a gossamer web of celestial luminescence at this magnification, isn't it? I mean, from this vantage point? It's something like the image of a neural network, the network of synaptic connections with neural pathways between them, you know? Do you know? If you know, maybe the universe knows too. Who can know? What can know? Can anything know? Can everything know? Will you head toward that galactic cluster? No, no, I'm asking if you'll do that for me. Bear a bit starboard. Good. Now, all ahead full. Good, thanks. Make for that brown, swirly galaxy. Yeah, yeah, good. Steady as she goes, Imagineer a term supposed to have been coined by the Alcoa Company and claimed by Disney, but reclaimed by people with imagination. So, there's a solar system with a blue supergiant at the center. You see it? No, that one. That Look along my arm. Yeah. You know what else is there? The soul, or jewel, or Atman. That's right, your very own little spirit. And you thought it was inside you somewhere, but it's not. It's way the frack outside you. It's too big to ever be contained in a human. That's right, your very own little soul is way too big to fit inside you. Too big to fit inside anything. It doesn't even have limits. But there it is. It has to be somewhere. Uh, at least it does if you're ever going to find it when you're looking around for it. Now, you see that planet that has what look, it looks like a yellowish skid mark on a field of bluish white. Okay, well, no, we don't have retro rockets. We're not flying a spaceship. We're just tooling around in your imagination, remember? So we don't have to land. Now, I just wanted to guide you to the right distant planet just to give you a sense of where everything is. But you can just imagine yourself on the ground already. See? Here we are. Look around. There's a kind of pedestal over there. See it? Rather than cut right to it using the editing tool of imagination, let's walk over to it for the sake of continuity and exposition. The ground of this planet is a flat plain of weird icy dust or, or dusty ice. It's a crust, the dust. An ice crust. It's about two miles thick. Below that is a gap of about 300 miles, so this whole planet is just a shell of bluish-white ice dust crust. But 300 miles below the surface is a solid planet. That planet had a strange chemical layer around it, which blew off early in its formation in a sudden rush of heat from its core, but the vapor instantly polymerized, freezing in place around the luminous planet, a translucent shell with its light and heat source inside like a fancy Beverly Hills illuminated from below plastic driveway. Yeah, the heat and light for this planet came from within. Look out there, that blue supergiant. It's almost a mere point source, not enough warmth or light to do anything for this planet's surface. This giant wiffle ball we're on. The orbit is more like a comet than that of the more or less circular orbits of one of the seven major planets of our system. Keep, keep walking. It's a walk and talk. Like in an Aaron Sorkin show, life evolved, a complex ecosystem dominated by a kind of intelligent slime mold in symbiosis with mossy vegetation. The slime mold 
was a macro being, a collective jelly that lived on this planet for a couple of billion years. It invented a complex mathematical musical language with which it developed a musical mathematical architectural literature, or a mathematical musical literary architecture, all operating and formulating, dancing and pondering, juggling and calculating, increasing in complexity and beauty in a purely mental realm. Okay, so here we are at this pedestal formation of polymer crust, kind of a waist-high frozen splash. We won't get into how this formed. Just look there. See these tiny black corkscrew curls, like itty-bitty bed springs made of dirt? Those are all that remains of a species of primitive slug that evolved and became extinct relatively quickly, long before the interior planet lost its radiance. Those are their minuscule poops. Back in the slime mold and slug days, the planet had a liquid iron, nickel, and copper core which rotated rapidly, generating a magnetic field that protected the planet's atmosphere and surface from the blue supergiant's lethal radiation. So, yeah, the core eventually ran out of energy, the magnetic field evaporated, and the solar wind killed the life. But it did leave these little curly slug turds. And you see that one there? That one's your soul. Don't look at me like that. Oh, that's right. I did say it was too vast to fit inside your body. That, that was an exaggeration. I mean, we are larger than our normal selves right now. And that turd, a lot of it exists in another dimension, about 33 yards of it, although that doesn't translate into any coherent measurement in this dimension. But the soul is without limits, if, if you imagine it is. You don't have to accept it as a little curly, extinct slug's turd. I mean, that's what it is, but you don't... Look, I don't know why you're pissed at me. It was your imagination we were using. All right, it was mine too, because you're me, yes. So sue me. You know where I live. Oh, boo-hoo. Your soul's a puny turd on a lifeless, insignificant world somewhere in the low-rent corner of the universe. What, you had it so good back on Earth? Just, you know what? Just imagine your way out of this mess, can't you? imaginations, assholes, and souls, everybody's got one of each, except maybe a soul, that just might not exist. So, um, see you back at the apartment, crybaby. This has been the moment of truth. Yeah, good day. It's time for the word of the week and tef- testing Jeff Dorchin to see how good his vocabulary <laughs> is. Everybody you know what loves- I had? I looked up in Osculate, uh, uh in the OED. I had my friend Ian Belknap, the overlord of Right Club, or erstwhile overlord, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was all very intriguing. I really <laughs> should have gotten it. Anyway, right. let's go. Here's this week's word. Stochastic. Stochastic. Oh, man. It's a systems kind of word. It's like repeating, repeating, informa- repeating inf- input information or something like that. No, stochastic. Oh, dude. The stochastic dude. man. I can't believe it how close you I mean you are you're right there. So we got uh, this this week from Monday's guest, evolutionary biologist and public health phylogeographer, Rob Wallace, who in his monthly review article, Notes on a Novel Coronavirus, used the word stochastic, and it means Randomly determined, having a random probability distribution or pattern that may be analyzed statistically, but not be predicted precisely. So you were on your way there. You you, yeah. you actually had it. You actually were there. How I you- don't know, man. You're, you know what? 
I think you and Alex have been hitting the bong too hard. <laughs> I thought that was That's what close. I hear. I thought that That's was a scuttle bit. That's scuttle a scuttle, scuttle bit. Scuttle, scuttle bit. It was, there was a 50-50 chance I would have gotten that word right. <laughs> scuttle bit. Um, oh, scuttle bit. That could be the next word. Yeah, there you go. I'll test you <laughs> next week, and I'll, I'll ask you for Latin roots. All right, Jeffy, until next yeah. week. Okay, you guys doing all right? I mean, seriously, you, I know I this sucks. Yeah, this sucks. I'm doing fine. Uh, my girlie's having some health issues, uh, but I, but we don't know what it is. You know, it could just be a cold. We have no idea. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine. The only thing that would really freak me out yesterday is went for a walk in Warren Park right outside my back window. There had to be 300 people in the park. It was insane. There were three different games of basketball going on. It was really insane yesterday. After the uh, mayor said that everybody should be indoors, and so now they're placing the cops at all the entries to the lakeshore parks, so you can't even go to see the lakefront anymore and there might be uh, cops out my, out my back window when I get home because they said they might be closing down the park as well because nobody wants to do any social distancing so that's our deal here in Chicago right now you know you know what Chuck what's that I still don't know what stochastic means <laughs> <laughs> the information flew right out my head I'm just as dumb as when I started it is a technical term it is an adjective <laughs> all right I'll send it to you later so you can figure it out yourself. All right. Stay beautiful. You stay beautiful. I'm your bitter, blind, broke, gap tooth radio show podcast live streaming host, Chuck Mertz. Producing this week's show is Alex Jerry. This week's question from Al is, do they owe us a living? Do they owe us a living? You can leave your answer right now at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thisishellradio, or tweet it to us at thisishellradio, or email it to us at chuck at thisishell.com or alex at thisishell.com. You've got exactly 15 seconds to do so. The person with our favorite answer to this week's question wins the This Is Hell Guide to the 21st Century Flash Drive, loaded with 25 interviews we did over the past 20 years. It's a great way to keep you going in these hellish times. You can also uh, get one right now if you want to by going to thisishell.com and clicking on support where we also have our trucker cap t-shirt tote bag and coffee mug that all declare this is hell and what better time to have that message on your hat t-shirt tote bag or coffee mug alex do you have the rest of this the answers to this week's question from hell uh, yeah, i got one more and then i'll do the winner and i gotta get out of all here right. uh brian h sent us a video a youtube link to a video called agrarian justice by thomas Paine. <laughs> Might I did not get a chance to watch this video yet, and I'm not uh, enough familiar enough with Thomas Paine to know if he uh, answered the question from all the way. I'm accepting it. I'm thinking probably no. So right now I'm between five people. The question from hell this week was, "Do they owe us a living?" Yes. And there's one of two answers, and here are the people with the correct answers: Gog Gogs E, who said, "Of course they fucking do." <laughs> Mitchell C, who said, "Of course they fucking do." Steve C says, "Of course they fucking do." FFS via email says. Of course they fucking do. And finally, Nathaniel R. says, of course they fucking do. <laughs> so let's uh, hit a random number generator to see which between those five people. We're going to click. And the winner is FFS, who replied via email, <laughs> of course they fucking do for the question from hell. Do they owe us a living? Though I did like Steve's best, even though he does say, of course they fucking do. He leads in with, do, I, do they owe a chicken whose neck they ring for Christmas a living? <laughs> it's just kind of grim. Uh, let's see. That makes this winner this week's winner. Who is it again? FFS? FFS um, via email. Uh, they wrote to me, so I'll just write to them right back. And so you will be getting a This Is Hell Guide to the 21st Century Flash Drive. Alex, who's on the show next week, starting with Monday's live streaming show at thisishell.com at 10 a.m.? Uh, Brian Foss will be on to talk about the book she edited, Burn It Down, 
feminist manifestos for the revolution. And do, we, verso. do we have any other ideas about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Still working on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, we got Andrew Liu booked to talk about his uh, N plus one piece, Chinese virus world market. And then on Thursday, Todd Williams will report from lockdown in Budapest. I'm assuming they're in lockdown. Maybe not. Um, With and, Richter Orban? No, yeah, maybe I don't. not. And then, uh, <laughs> Jeffy, so. moment of truth. I think they're just so. Under stay tuned for uh, Tuesday. And uh, yeah, I sent you something about an inve- uh, Bill Gates investigation earlier today too. So check into that. That might be a good piece. Thanks to this week's guests, evolutionary biologist and public health phylogeographer Rob Wallace, who wrote the monthly review article "Notes on a Novel Coronavirus." Check out that interview. It's a really fantastic interview. Rob was awesome and we're hoping to get that uh, interview transcribed in the very near future so we can share it to those who can't hear for instance we also want to thank strategic management scholar Joshua Gans who is on to talk about his MIT press reader article flattening the coronavirus curve is not enough you can find out more about Joshua at joshuagans.com and you can follow him on Twitter at Josh Gans thanks to researcher organizer and educator Max Haven who returned to This Is Hell and we discussed with him uh, his Roar magazine piece No Return to Normal you can find out more about Max and all the interviews that we've done with Max at thisishell.com you can follow Max on Twitter at Max Haven and you can find out more about Max at maxhaven.com and thanks to today's guest Dave Buchan who has been reporting to us from Puerto Rico since 1999. This week's hangover cure is what Deadspin calls the worst regional food in the United States, Cincinnati chili, which is bad chili sauce poured over spaghetti. Talk to you tomorrow on Patreon. I hope to see all of you sometime in the future at This Is Hell office hours that we will have again on Friday nights when this nightmare is over. I'm your bitter, blind, broke, gap-tooth radio show podcast live streaming host Chuck Mertz, producing Alex Jerry. As always, we could not do this show without you without your support please support this is hell during these trying times at this is hell.com when you click on support or go to patreon.com slash this is hell we also want to thank alex uh, for producing jeff for doing the moment of truth Ronaldo for our for his help on the rotten history and theron for all the technical work he does behind the scenes there's only one way to get over all of the problems that we've introduced to you on this week's show. That's by sitting down in the lotus position, turning your palms towards the sky, focusing on those that burning white dot in the middle of your forehead, and saying these simple words, Everybody's stupid. My demon is on my butt. <laughs> my demon talks to me in profanity like a sailor. And my demon tries to knock me down. And my demon tries to put me on a hell ride.